House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, you've made it back from the break, and uh, you're still listening to us. We're not sure why, um, but jeez, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're got to be coming back for the guest. Uh, the guest has written several books, but there was one I was curious about, and I've been listening to. Believe it, because I can't read. Um, it's called Blood <laughs> Cold: Fame, Sex, and Murder in Hollywood. Yeah, geez, that sounds like every day. And uh, the author is Dennis McDougall. Thank you for taking some time to tell us about this wonderful book. Oh, uh, my, my pleasure. Um, well, that's what I'm here for. Says so you're in fine print. Anyway, that's right. And uh, he took no money for doing this interview. So, he, <laughs> just so you know, he did it on his own. Um, what you mean? I could have gotten money. You could have. You could have. But oh no. Lord. No, that's all right. We had to feed Steve. He needed some donuts. Al, you didn't give him the customary dollar forty-five. <laughs> well, I do have. No, no. I, I do have my wine. So what the heck? Yeah, there Uh-oh. you go. Well, we can send you a free house of mystery pen. <laughs> no. Wait, Seriously. I don't have one of those. Oh, well, I've been lusting after one of those for years. Ah, oh, me too. That's like right up there with Mont Blanc. <laughs> I have three. I have three of them. Read them and read it and weep. Oh, I have three. That's, that's oh, right. He's oh going to keep them until they don't run anymore. So, so I, Dennis, now what brought you into um, Robert Blake? How did you how did you get into to doing that case? Well, um, shortly after the uh, the arrest, uh, I was working for a TV guide at the time and. Uh, our editor asked myself and my co-author, Mary Murphy, uh, to just wipe everything uh, off of our um, uh, off of our timelines and uh, devote all of our time to chasing down everything we could about uh, about Robert Blake and the murder of his his wife, uh, Bonnie Bakley. So. Um, you know, we hit the road, uh, visited uh, New Jer- Jersey and um, uh, New Orleans, and um, and then you know spent a couple of weeks in Memphis, where I now live, ironically enough, uh, and trying to find who this. First of all, find out who this woman was, who the victim was, because everyone everyone had an idea who Robert Blake was. Uh, you know, he's had a by that time, about a 50-year career, which was, um, uh, he was no slouch when it came to um, exploiting Hollywood. So, um, but nobody knew who Bonnie Bakley was. And um, she was shot in the head outside of an Italian restaurant, um, minding her own business, allegedly. Uh, And... um, and who was she? You know, so uh, we spent quite a bit of time um, digging into her past, and um, half of uh, Blood Cold is um, is uh, her story. Um, I mean, of course, you know, Robert Blake figures into it 
for obvious reasons, but uh, this is also very much the Bonnie Bakley story. And uh, she was a real real character, to say the least. That was the word I was going to use. Because now she was married ten times, and she had uh, all sorts of uh, sexual scam things going on where she was advertising and sending naked pictures to people and all that. Uh, So how does someone like that get involved with uh, a, a TV star? Well, um, you know, you could have written the book yourself because uh, that's the very first question we asked. Uh, easily asked, not easily answered. Uh, we um, uh, we took off uh, for Memphis and started trying to track down uh, a couple of the uh, the husbands. We think, uh, of course, it's still up in the air today. Uh, uh, we we think this may have been the first husband. Um, there's always a chance that uh, there's two or three others uh, tucked away that we didn't find out about. Yeah, you said ten, ten times. She was married ten times. Well, we think that she was married ten times. It's far more likely it was uh, you know maybe twenty or thirty times because um, uh, Bonnie was the marrying kind, so to speak, and. Um, she discovered uh, very early in her career, uh, back when she was still a teenager, that um, that uh, men are easy to ma- manipulate, especially if you uh, uh, commit to them forever and ever because you're uh, in love with the ground that they walk on. And um, she used that knowledge to, um, to nail down... Um, you know, a dozen or more um, victims over the years. And and, uh, there's some paperwork that reflects it. Um, But uh, she, you know, Bonnie would, she she was the type who would get in an Edsel and take off to uh, Tijuana and um, get married and come back and uh, marry somebody else the day, uh, the, the next day. So, uh, how did she get close to, uh, or how did she get involved with Blake? Was that the, the second half of your question? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, how would someone? Uh, what I'm saying is, you've got this 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 girl Bonnie that's kind of going around <laughs> and doing all these uh, wild things and just try out to make a buck. And you've mm-hmm. got a, and you've got a movie TV star. So why would he even waste his time? Well. Um, Okay, this gets into uh, to Bonnie's mo and her um, her secondary um, reason for bagging men. Um, uh, first of all, she recognized that uh, that if she married them or uh, slept with them or, um, in some cases, only had to send a, a few Polaroids of herself uh, buck naked that um, they would pay money. But um, the other part of her, uh, her I don't know, lifelong desire was to uh, bag her very own celebrity, and she started young. Uh, when, um, when she was, I believe, 16, maybe 17, she, uh, she fell in love with um, 
the lead singer of the Four Seasons, uh, Frankie Valley, and uh, she be- began stalking him all over New England. She lived in New Jersey at the time and uh, was uh, obviously came from a dysfunctional home. So they didn't pay much attention to what she did, and she would sneak into shows wherever Frankie Valley showed up on stage. And eventually she started sending him letters and didn't get any responses, so she would show up um, at his dressing room. And then she uh, later on um, uh, figured out enough from the public record to uh, locate where he lived and um, began harassing him in person. And um, uh, finally, uh, Valley got... um, uh, restraining order and uh, made her stay away and uh, she switched gears and uh, her next target was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis now mind you uh, during all this time when she was like going after uh, different uh, uh, washed up c- celebrities um, she was also um married legitimately once at any rate and having uh, children. So she had um, uh, at least one child by then, I believe. And uh, and w- another was soon on the way, um, a redhead uh, whom she ascribed to um, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, as uh, as the daughter that um that he um he sired when um she got him to break down and and uh, sleep with him and um so this kind of you know was the way that Bonnie conducted uh business uh, in terms of um of uh landing herself uh, her very own celebrity didn't work with Jerry Lee uh didn't work with uh, Frankie Valley, so she stepped up her game um, when she started um, uh, getting more and more marks to send her enough money that she could move to the uh, West Coast. And um, her uh, her next mark was uh, Dean Martin. Um, she hooked up with him uh, shortly before he died. Um, may very well have, uh, you know, gotten him to uh, take her to the altar if he wasn't, uh, you know, on uh, uh, life support. Um, <laughs> she did get a, a couple of pictures with him uh, that she passed around and showed how she, close she, she was to old Hollywood. So um, Dean Martin passed away. And she started casting around for um, a new uh, celebrity love and uh, happened upon Robert Blake, who at that time in his career was pretty much washed up. No one would hire him. Um, he um, he had alienated uh, most of the people around him. Um didn't see his children all that often and uh, was holed up in a hermitage in Studio City uh, 
and you know, doing her homework, which uh, Bonnie was uh, famous for, she discovered all of this and that uh, what he really needed was a, a boon companion, and she figured that she was it. So she made uh, that uh, he would make her acquaintance at uh, his regular Monday uh, Monday evening gig uh, at a uh, restaurant across the street from NBC in uh, uh, Burbank. They had like a jazz thing every Monday evening down in the basement, and uh, and Blake was the regular. So. Uh, she went to one of these and sidled up to him and um, made it known to him that um, that she was available and uh, they uh, hit it off apparently because later that night in um, in Blake's um, uh, Chevy Blazer they consummated their uh passion in the uh, the back seat uh and thus began the this uh whirlwind r- romance such as it was and um you know, she was also stalking yet another celebrity at the same time had betted him two or three times that he was reluctant to marry her uh Marlon Brando's um son Christian um so all of this set the stage for uh, a an awkward um, triangle, and um, the rest of the story proceeds from there. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's kind of crazy. So now, um, whoa, they actually they actually thought that the um, the baby of. Robert Blake's was uh, Mar- Marlon Brando's sons until DNA proved it, right? Yeah, and Blake believed that too. Um, you know, he was um, he was from an old Italian uh, family in Nutley, New Jersey, and they uh, believed very strongly in blood. So uh, until s- such time that it was proven to him that the child was his, uh, he. He refused to have anything to do with her, but when you know the second that it, the DNA test came through, uh, he completely changed his attitude and decided that he was going to um, adopt the child, and uh, was at odds with Bonnie immediately because she wouldn't have anything to do with that. She said that he had to marry her. So, yes. Um, so not, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, you ask a simple question, and then I go into a diatribe. But, yeah. No, that's good, uh, because then he ended up marrying her. But didn't he make uh, her sign an agreement that the that he would have um, custody of the child? Yes, it was you know something of a, a prenup, um, and he wanted to uh, preserve his. Um, his both his independence and his uh, his property. Uh, so yeah, he he had her sign something. But you know, Bonnie Bonnie was the classic manip- manipulator. She, she would say whatever anybody needed to hear or sign whatever they wanted, 
to get what she wanted. And then, you know, uh, um, it, it didn't make any difference whether she uh, promised on paper, in ink, that she was going to behave a certain way. She behaved however she felt like behaving. So now leading up to that night where she ended up shot in the car, uh, the two of them mm. had gone to um, a restaurant, Vitello's, I believe, and, and ate. Yeah, right. Uh, so mm-hmm. were they having a pretty good relationship, as in they were getting along fine at the time? Was there any sort of uh, friction between the two of them? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Um, you know, I pieced together uh, the period between the actual wedding in the fall and uh, and her, her death uh, uh, almost six months later. And, yeah, they went off on a, a road trip together. Robert and his, um, he had a uh, kind of a glumping sidekick, um, a handyman sort. And the three of them uh, got on the camper and took off to the Colorado River for a while and uh, scooted around the um, Mojave Desert. And then they wound up in Sequoia and, um and you know if you listen to the um recollections from uh people uh, uh, that Bonnie was close to her sister uh a friend of hers who uh worked with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis you, know, you piece their recollections together and it appeared as though uh, Bonnie was getting along just fine, uh, and that uh, Blake was, uh, you know, old and grumpy, which is kind of his trademark. Uh, but you know, he didn't show any kind of uh, uh, homicidal uh, um, indications. So, uh, if everything appeared to her to be just hunky dory, and, and they had a good time, and uh, and they came back to Studio City, and uh, she settled in, and um, uh, and they were. Um, she figured that uh, they were locked in a matrimony for um, uh, from here on out. So uh, she was pretty happy, I think, clear up until the night that somebody. Um, you know, put a gun to the window and um, blew her brains out. Dennis, now I want to go back, if you don't mind, just a moment, back uh, when uh, he was married the first time. Robert Blake's childhood, as well as his first marriage, were, I guess, for lack of a better word, were tumultuous then. Is that correct? Tumultuous? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, uh, you know, not not your typical, uh, uh, an adversarial type, or, uh, like a child yeah, or, I think or a I'd, marriage. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably term it horrific. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you go back to the rudimentary beginnings, uh, uh, little Mickey Gubatosi uh, was the uh, youngest member of a... Um, 
brother and sister act that came out of New Jersey in the late 30s. Um, he was the only one with talent. So he was offered a role in uh, the old uh, old uh, um, Our Gang uh, comedy series, and became you know an overnight star because he was he had everything going for him. He was he looked like a hard luck kid, but uh, he was cute as a button and well spoken and hit his marks. So. He wound up being a very successful child actor all the way through the 1940s. Um, he was the uh, the, the little um, uh, the little Mexican kid uh, near the end of the Treasure of Sierra Madre. Uh, so I mean, his career uh, was no small potatoes. He really. Um, did well as a child actor, but in in kind of the the classic uh, way with child actors. By the time his voice changed and and he um, you know became an adult, uh, he was no longer uh, cute and cuddly, and uh, he was uh, pretty much tossed out on his ear. Now, the whole time that this is going on, he's like the sole um, um, breadwinner for his family. Uh, his father was um, something of a lout um, and treated him badly uh, and at the same time uh, took his paycheck whenever um, he, he came home from the studios. And, uh, you know, there was, like, problems within the family to boot because, um, uh, as it turned out later, Blake would discover that uh, his mother uh, slept with his uncle and that um, Blake was the uh, result of that uh, illicit union uh, all under his father's nose probably accounts in part for his father being such a, a an SOB when it came to his son who was not his son um, so Blake had what on on the one hand looked like a, a blessed um, a childhood and, and um, adolescence but um, on closer examination it was uh, it was awful you know, he was a star at work, uh, and he was uh, uh, a, a, literally a, a bastard at home. So uh, he becomes an adult. He's on his own. Uh, he becomes a, a character actor during the 1950s in the infancy of, of television. Um, and he um, well, eventually... Uh, landed a, a plum role in the 1960s uh, as the uh, the crazed psychopath uh, at the center of um, of uh, Truman Capote's In Cold Blood, and um, uh, that you know put him on the A list in terms of. Um, of, of 
character actors in the 1960s, and he landed um, um, half a dozen movies after that. Uh, none of them very noteworthy or memorable, but nonetheless, at the time, you know, he was uh, living pretty much the uh, uh, the Hollywood dream. And um, he married one of his co-stars. They had a couple of kids. They lived out in the valley. And uh, his really big break came in the 1970s when he was asked to portray a, um, a uh, down-on-his-luck detective uh, named Beretta. Uh, and uh, he became a star all over again to a whole new audience who had no idea uh, about his beginnings in um, the R gang comedies and, and all that transpired thereafter. So, um, so anyway, uh, he was totally estranged from his family by then. Uh, he, he never spoke to his father uh, once he was um, in his 20s and on his own and stopped speaking with his mother too uh, and uh, and he lived this uh, he, he lived as a um, uh, in what was seen as being kind of a kooky but nonetheless a solid uh, marriage uh, until that too blew up um, shortly after uh, the cancellation of Beretta, and um, you know his career this kind of uh, caromed from uh, one character role to another. After that, he was a regular on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, uh, and um, you know, told all the Hollywood stories and. Um, but uh, by the time he met Bonnie uh, in the basement at, um, I believe the name of the place was Chesney's or something like that, but it's no longer in existence anyway. But nonetheless, that, uh, that was um, uh, at the end of a, a long string of film disasters. He was uh, un unemployed and uh, by Hollywood standards, uh, un unemployable. Um, and then, uh, and then there, and then uh, along came Bonnie. Imagine that. Hmm. So now, now do you think, um, like, like a lot of the talk at the time was that, uh, mm -hmm. who else would have killed her, uh, you know, in that place? Like, uh, you know, they, they're in the restaurant, they, they go to the car. He says he's forgot his, his gun goes back into the restaurant, mm -hmm. comes back out, and she's been shot in the head. So mm -hmm. was there anything credible about another possibility? Well, um, if you're asking my personal opinion, uh, no. Um, but um, I can tell you for a fact that the uh, defense attorney um, managed to uh, poison the well when it came to the question of uh, other likely suspects by um, playing up the fact that 
uh, Bonnie had left this long string of um, duped men uh, in her wake that went back years, and uh, and he managed to convince the the jury that um, that any one of these people might have uh, adequate um, motive to do her in. Um, when I say in my opinion, no, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it has everything to do with, with the circumstances under which, um, you know, she was killed. First of all, he, he had a, a gun with him when he went into the restaurant, uh, left it allegedly, uh, forgot it when he left uh, with uh, Bonnie after eating, uh, left it in the booth where they, they had had dinner and had to go back and retrieve it. Uh, who carries a gun into a restaurant? Um, I mean, they do in Tennessee on a regular basis. <laughs> I can attest to that. But in California, it doesn't happen. So... Uh, there's that, and then uh, there's the uh, the curious nature of the relationship between Blake and uh, his handyman, who um, uh, who disappeared uh, shortly after uh, the murder took place, and took quite a while for the um, for the cops to. Uh, to track him down, and um, he had a, a dubious excuse uh, as to where he was when the murder took place. And, um, you know, if you are looking for um, the, the the three magic uh, um, uh, traits of uh, any murder, you know, motive, um, uh, I can't remember the other two. Um, means an opportunity. Um, you know, the the guy who uh, who stood out in bold dago colors was Robert Blake. And you know, I mean, the interesting thing about the Blake case has always been to me that um, I covered. Uh, I was I covered. Uh, um, the O.J. Simpson trial for a TV guide and CNN too. So uh, I noticed that uh, this similarity right off the bat. I mean, in both cases, uh, O.J. Simpson and Robert Blake were acquitted by a criminal uh, jury uh, to whom their guilt has to be proven beyond um, a doubt, whereas uh, in the civil action, uh, all that's necessary is a preponderance of the evidence. Uh, so in both the case of Blake and Simpson, they were found uh, innocent in their criminal actions, but guilty in the civil trials that followed. And I tend to believe in both cases that the uh, civil jury got it right. Um, that you know, doesn't mean anything because uh, neither of them ever served a, uh, 
uh, a day in jail for um, for having uh, committed murder. But there you have it. Hmm. Well, it's quite an interesting story. Now, so he never did get convicted of it. He got he got found not guilty, but he did get uh, found responsible for wrongful death. And what he ended up paying fifteen of the thirty million. Um, so, and, and whatever happened to the daughter? Did the, did the daughter grow up with Robert Blake? No, no. I mean, that's yet another interesting aspect of uh, the case. Um, I, I follow um, the case off and on. Not, you know, I I, I don't tune in every day but ever so often i'll check up on what's going on with blake who is by the way still alive amazingly enough um let's see he was born 33 so that would make him what 80 hmm i don't know he's in he's <laughs> way up in his 80s anyway i don't know so um he's old he, he he's old he's quite old uh, but you know he's still getting around. He uh, married, um, I think, he married some woman who was uh, was actually on on the jury, if I'm not mistaken, of um, uh, of one of the two trials. And uh, and you know, I mean, he's going into his dotage um, with some assets, apparently, um, but. Um, what was your question again? I'm off on a tangent here. Just, just whatever happened to her? Like if she didn't grow up with him? Oh, right. Yeah, uh, Rosie uh, grew up with uh, Blake's daughter, uh, who was, and I believe still is, married to uh, the two true crime writer Greg Olson um, she was uh, that is his his daughter Blake's elder daughter um, uh, was a psychologist and uh, a counselor a marriage family and uh, uh, children counselor and um, and they took Rosie on as their their project. They were essentially her parents and raised her to. I think she's now almost. I think she's almost twenty. Um, the the latest uh, information on uh, Rosie is that um, after she graduated from high school in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, she became uh, a lingerie uh, model, um, and uh, and you know she wants to become an actress. And wouldn't that be uh, poetic if uh, it turns out that the the woman that um, that Blake um, allegedly murdered? Um, Became mother, or, or was mother to uh, a, a fledgling uh, actress. So you know, uh, irony of ironies. Yeah. 
but he, you know, he, I, I guess he got to see uh, Rosie from time to time, but he was never in her life on a regular basis. Hmm. Um, wow! Yeah. Another, another happy Hollywood story. <laughs> a, a weird one, you know. I mean, yeah. a really strange one, uh, and strange in ways that you, you, you couldn't. I mean, I don't think you could make make up. I, I've written fiction, but I don't think in my wildest imagination that I'd be able to come up with this one. You know, real life seems to be um, uh, weirder, stranger, and altogether uh, more bizarre than anything that uh, you can make up. That's for sure. We know all about that. Wow, this has been interesting. Thank you very much. Now, so now the book is available anywhere. We'll have it on our website for people that are listening. It's mm-hmm. called Blood Cold, Fame, Sex, and Murder in Hollywood. And our guest and author has been Dennis McDougall. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And I wish you all the best. So... To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! How dare you? If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.